You know what time it is. Time for another train wreck. Welcome to Not Another Baptist Podcast that is just like every other Baptist podcast out there. A podcast exploring church revitalization, church planting, and other Southern Baptist goodies for your ear holes. I'm Matt Hensley, pastor of May Hill Baptist in May Hill, New Mexico. And I'm Kyle Bierman, pastor of First Baptist Church, Alamogordo. Why do you always We're, pause? I, I, I feel like, like you have more to say. Well, I always like, have more to say, but I probably shouldn't. <laughs> All right. So we're both pastoring fantastic churches who need lots of prayer because they have us as their pastors. Amen. And uh, in southern New Mexico, we're wading through the waters of church revitalization and trying not to drown. And we're grateful for our partnership with the Christian Standard Bible Absolutely. and are oh so humbly proud to be known as the official podcast of the Word of God. So after the show, we encourage you to visit csbible.com to learn more about a translation that is faithful and true with an aim to blend accuracy and readability the best way possible, though they were wise enough to sponsor this podcast. Uh, that's right. Don't, don't that's let right. that make you think any less of the Christian Standard <laughs> Bible. Uh, but until then, let's uh, light this dumpster fire on fire. Well, it's already, how does that work? I don't know. Okay, let's do the train wreck thing this time. Okay. Let's get this train wreck underway. There you go. Who do we have today? We are joined once again by Dr. Tim McKnight. Last time uh, he was here, he joined us and he talked about youth ministry. Today, we're going to shift gears just a little bit, and we're going to talk about uh, one of the most prominent evangelists that our nation has seen. Matt Henson. In- <laughs> Matt Queen. <laughs> I'll be closer to saying Matt Queen than Matt Hensley. Uh, uh, Billy Graham. Close, but George George uh, Whitfield. Who? George Whitfield. Is he alive? <laughs> I don't think he's still alive. Who is that? No. No. I, let, let's. Okay. Why we have Tim, Tim. Tell us who George Whitfield is. <laughs> well, if I was going to say a description of Whitfield, I would say he was the Billy Graham of the 18th century. Okay. That he was basically the evangelist who preached to tens of thousands and twenty thousand. With no microphone, no no audio assistance, nothing but his voice and the projection of his voice. Uh, love the gospel. Um, he happened to be a, a five-point Calvinist. And, and so you can't that be an evangelist that, uh, and a five-point Calvinist. What? That's what we always hear, right? Th- those two things are incompatible. <laughs> that was something that I found interesting when I was in seminary. Um, I was introduced to Whitfield and saw his theology, and then I saw how passionate he was evangelistically. And I was like, this guy can't be consistent. I mean, he can't have adhered to the five points of Calvinism and be so passionate about evangelism. And so I set out um, on my dissertation, on my doctoral dissertation, to see, was he consistent? And decided I was going to do the dissertation on Whitfield, and I asked the question, was he really a five-point Calvinist? And if he was a five-point Calvinist, was he consistent within his own theological system methodologically? Um, and so I argued from my research that within his system, he was consistent. Now, whether if someone from the outside looking in would say he's consistent, that's not really the question. The question is, within his system and within his thought process, was he consistent? And and my research showed that Whitfield was was indeed consistent. Um, I was impressed by the fact that he had such a passion for the gospel and the deep doctrines of the gospel, the doctrines of grace. 
And so when you look at Whitfield's preaching, you will see the doctrines of grace throughout his evangelistic methodology, throughout his evangelistic preaching. And he mentions election. Um, he mentions uh, total depravity and, and goes through all of those doctrines, perseverance. When, when he talks uh, about the atonement, um, you don't hear him really keying in on uh, the word limited atonement or anything of that nature, um, but it's very clear that he did believe that, that there was a covenant between the Father and a covenant between the Son, that the Son would die for those for whom the Father elected, and Whitfield believed that. And so he did preach that, and actually almost verbatim what I just said, that he would, he would talk about that, that covenant between the Father and the Son for the elect. And so, so you see that throughout his, his preaching that uh, unapologetically he was a Calvinist. At the same time, you hear him say things like, I will not go a quarter of an hour traveling with someone without sharing the gospel. So wow. here this guy is saying, I'm not going to sit with somebody for 15 minutes traveling without sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ with them. And so you see this passion for evangelism, him pleading for people to come to Christ and pleading for people uh, to to embrace the cross, and uh, so, so that really is what drew me to Whitfield. Uh, was just looking at that that question and, and looking at his theology and saying, you know, it was this guy consistent within his understanding uh, of of the gospel and his understanding of the doctrines of grace and the evidence that I see uh, that he was consistent. I will mention before I stop, there was one place that I saw Whitfield was not consistent in his theology and his methodology. And that was with the issue of slavery. Mm -hmm. uh, Whitfield um, had slaves on the orphanage, uh, in, on the grounds of the orphanage that he had in Georgia. Uh, there is good evidence. And uh, Thomas Kidd puts out a book on Whitfield, a biography. I, I recommend it to you that that talks more about his his view on slavery and and uh, this issue. Um, but there is evidence that he kind of introduced slavery to the trustees of Georgia you know, when he came in. So. So I would say that's a huge inconsistency, inexcusable inconsistency in Whitfield's theology and his methodology. It just doesn't match up when we look at the idea of, you know, the value of human life and us all being made in God's image and, and a man who would really um, emphasize the love of God in Christ Jesus, but at the same time advocate a system um, that, that would be opposed to that. Um, that's a huge inconsistency uh, that I see in Whitfield. And I mentioned that in my, in my book that I wrote on him. And, and I think that's important to know too, because we, we tend to e even modern day figures, celebrity pastors or celebrity, uh, you know, people that are doing the different conference circuits and all that kind of thing. You know, we lift people up and, and then they disappoint us every time, uh, you know, in a sense. And I, I'd gone to a conference years uh, years back, and and John Piper uh, would do like a biographical sketch, or really like a biographical sermon uh, at each of these conferences on a different figure over the years. And the year I'd gone, it was on Whitfield, and so I'd heard that story. And he went through, you know, the first, uh, you know, forty minutes or whatever was all on his 
biography and hearing these things about how he preached, you know, an incredible amount of sermons. I feel like I've done a lot at, you know, 101 just at Mayhill, but that that's what he probably did in one day. Uh, you know, and he he did it all without uh, you know, microphones and all. And so he, he spent all of this time building this guy up about all of his accomplishments and what he had done for the gospel and, and evangelism and all of that. And then he told us that as really a reminder that we all have our blind spots and we all have the things that we're, we're struggling with. None of us are, are perfect, but we serve a perfect savior that forgives and da, 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 da. And, and it was a really powerful reminder because I, I had, uh, you know, practically, you know, not, not really, but practically speaking, worshipped folks like Spurgeon and Whitfield and thought the world of them, anything they'd written, it was going to be in my library and stuff like that. And my first gut reaction of hearing something like that, you know, the slavery or whatever is like, well, then I don't want anything to do with it. But that's not that's not the proper response. So that's a good, good reminder. Anything you want to add there? Yeah, I think he also he was really concerned about his own pride in ministry. You know, here he was uh, preaching to thousands of people. You will see him in his diary and his journal mentioning again and again and again the concern that the Lord would protect him against pride in ministry. And, you know, that 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 helps me and it helped me as a seminary student, helps me as a pastor, helps me as a, a husband and a father, you know, to look at myself and say, listen, you know, I can't be proud in my ministry. Matter of fact, I really can't trust myself. Yeah. I can trust Christ. Yeah. I can trust Christ, but I cannot trust myself. And so whether it be blind spots in theology, whether it be the issue of pride in my life, whether it be as we're looking at the last few months, moral failure, Mm -hmm. I cannot trust myself, but I can trust Christ. And so, so I think Whitfield kind of gives us a picture like, and I think you've said it well, that we, we do have feet of clay and, Mm -hmm. and that we are capable of having these blind spots in our life. And so it really is important for us to have people around us, you know, who, who will hold us accountable um, in that. I often wonder if Whitfield had lived as long as John Wesley, what side of the slavery issue he would have fallen on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and I think that's a helpful reminder that, that just like Matt was saying a while ago, I think we are tempted, especially in today's culture, to essentially throw the baby out with the bathwater. So when we see inconsistencies in some historical figures like Whitfield, more recently, uh, I think we've seen this with Martin Luther King Jr., where there are folks willing to almost write off any any legitimacy to their ministry whatsoever because of these blind spots or, or moral issues that they had. And so if you were if you were counseling somebody in in that, how you reconcile their teaching, like you said, with, with this, is there any specific thing you would say? Like, so, you know, we just saw this with a conference on Martin Luther King Jr. How dare we exalt this man who, who had some, some marital issues and such. Um, Cause I would, I would seem to say it's right and good to, how do you spit out the bones? Exactly. That's yeah. That's a good way to put it. You know, my question, I'm not trying to be crass, but have you looked in the mirror lately? Yeah. (laughs) Well, I mean, I have, I'm, I'm perfect because, you know, you're a ball guy with a goatee so that, you know, you're <laughs> all right, but, uh, <laughs> but, you know, asking, asking ourselves, you know, I, it, it's really easy for me to point fingers at someone else, but when it yeah. comes down to my own ministry, am I really, am I really looking at myself in the mirror and my own sin? Yeah. 
And, you know, I'm not trying to gloss over it because I think that, yeah. that we, we have to take it seriously and we, we need to live lives that pursue holiness. But but at the same time, we got to watch ourselves, too. Yeah. That, and that we're not sitting in that pharisaical seat, you know, right. throwing rocks at people when really, you know, holding, should, holding other people to a standard. We don't hold ourselves to. Absolutely. Yeah, I've, yeah. I've asked it this way at my church, that if if every member of this church was as mature and as growing in the Christian faith and, and all of that as as you, you know, each individual or whatever, would we be stronger or weaker? And and that really, you know, made people realize that one, it's easy to think that, oh, you know, Kyle likes the Rangers, so he's a sinner, or Whitfield had <laughs> slaves, so he's a slave. But if Whitfield had all of the characteristics of of Matt Hensley, would he have still become George Whitfield? You know, if the same blind spots that I have, would he have been able to overcome some of those? And 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 when we actually think about the sins that in our own lives, that as you said, it's easy for us to want to gloss over and look at somebody else. Uh, but that mirror of God's word does rise to us every time we read it. And it lets us know that, yeah, uh, if, if not for his grace, uh, we would be going down that same path and we're facing the ones in our own life ourselves. And so, you know, asking that to our folks is if everybody was as strong in the faith as you, would we be stronger or weaker really helped our church. They've still been talking about that. Uh, and so that that might be one way to look at it. What what do you think, Tim? Yeah, Doctor McKnight. That, sorry. Yeah, no, Tim's good. Uh, I think <laughs> no. that we uh, I think that we need to not gloss over things that we see in in the lives of others that that point that point to sin. And I think we should see those as a reminders to watch ourselves. At the same time, we don't need to lose the things that we see in their lives that point us to Christ. Yeah. And so I would think with Whitfield, some of the things that we can take away that would help us, particularly in the in the role of preaching and evangelism and, you know, in, in ministry is marry our theology with our practice. Yeah. That would be one thing. He when you look at Whitfield's life, his theology was married with his practice within his own system. Right. We can look outside, outside, inside and say, well, he's inconsistent. But we're looking from our perspective in inconsistency, you know, because maybe we don't have his theology. But if I'm looking within his theology and his theological system, he's consistent. And, and his theology and his practice are consistent within his own system. So that'd be one thing that I say as a takeaway is marry our theology with our practice. What we believe should be what we do and what we do should be what we yeah. believe. The other thing I would say is have a sense of urgency with the gospel mm. that we are living in times that grow shorter. And, and the time of Christ every day that we live approaches. And so Whitfield has a sense of urgency that the gospel was an urgent message that needed to go to people and prolifically share the gospel. You know, he and Wesley had a falling out over theology. And, you know, Whitfield said, hey, let's focus upon sharing the gospel prolifically. Let's share the gospel with with everyone that we can possibly share it with. And, and let's let's consider Christ the redeemer and that the cross is necessary for salvation. Let's look at the points that we have in common rather than these differences on election and predestination. And I think that's a message too, that we can, we can take from Whitfield. There is a sense of urgency with the gospel that I can agree on with someone about substitutionary atonement. I can agree with someone about um, the necessity of the blood of Christ uh, to atone for the sin you know, that I have in my life. 
I can agree on those things. And so Whitfield saying, Hey, Wesley, let's, let's not focus upon these differences, which I would call them now tertiary issues. Mm -hmm. Um, Let's not focus on these tertiary issues, but let's focus upon what we know is in common really. And we have the gospel in common, even though we may look at different points, you know, and, and guys, I got to tell you, I've had some people who've come up to me and said, well, if you don't believe this, you don't believe the gospel. Mm-hmm. And it may be someone who is a five pointer says, if you don't believe the five points, you don't believe the gospel. And I've had someone who are less than five points say, if you don't believe the way they, you don't believe the gospel. Well, my answer is going to be what does scripture say? Yeah. And I'm not trying to be simplistic, but what we do know from scripture is that Christ atoned for our sin. That that atonement was necessary and that atonement was substitutionary. Yeah. Yeah. And so as we look at those things and we look at those commonalities that we have in doctrine, that allows us to reach across the aisle and embrace as we share the gospel together. And that allows us to stand shoulder to shoulder and lock shields against an enemy who wants nothing more than the destruction of souls of people around this globe. And so the only way that we are going to be able to further the gospel and further the kingdom of Christ is together. And the way that we do that together, especially as Southern Baptist, is that we don't focus upon the things that we have, but we focus upon the things that we agree upon in common in the gospel. And, and I think that that's something that Whitfield can teach our convention, uh, is that, that we should not be focusing upon these tertiary issues, but let's focus upon the things that we have in common and, and use those to, to move things forward. The third thing, and the last thing I'll say about Whitfield, um, he focused upon what I would call ministry evangelism, or I also call it gospel action. He didn't just share the gospel verbally. He went to prisons and ministered those in prison. He, he established an orphanage for children who are orphaned. And so he, he married the, the gospel and the message of the love of Christ with a very tangible picture of the love of Christ through ministry. He didn't do that without sharing the verbal witness. And he didn't share the verbal witness without showing the love of Christ in that way. Um, and so you see him doing that as well. And, you know, as I've said, this, this, the issue of slavery is a huge blind spot in this area. But I, we can't neglect the other things that he did as well. And so going to the Tower of London and, and ministering the, to the prisoners in the Tower of London, uh, going to the poor in Oxford and ministering to the poor on the streets of Oxford, you know, those are all things that, that he did. Yeah. So as, as we get ready to wrap up here, um, we were kind of joking b- before we went on air. Uh, you know, we've got our Spurgeon bobblehead sitting here, and you said there's a there's a John Edwards um, bobblehead out there, and, and you said you, you you've not yet found a, a Whitfield one. So, uh, in some of I, I guess Spurgeon and and Moody and those guys came a little bit later, but it, it seems like Whitfield kind of gets lost in that shuffle. At least that's that's my thought. You know, there's a ton of stuff that's been written on Edwards, uh, a, a revival kind of in recent years on. Um, on Spurgeon. So if somebody wanted to dive a little bit more into the life of George Whitfield, where would they find that? And yes, this is where you plug your book. Yeah, of course, you know, (laughs) no better gospel is the only book that you need to buy. (laughs) It's the end all be all. (laughs) I would say if you want to look at Whitfield's life, 
I think Thomas Kidd's new biography on Whitfield is, is an excellent uh, biography. Uh, Dallimore, obviously, is a classic on Whitfield. Uh, if you want to look at his theology and methodology of evangelism, um, to my knowledge, I'm the only person who's written on that. And so cool. um, so no better gospel would be the place that I would point them. And by the way, you can get that on Amazon, Amazon.com. You can get no better gospel. So um <laughs> That'll and it's available on Kindle too. I just <laughs> as well. So so you can if if you you know if you're one of those tech, technology gurus that doesn't like real books anymore, you can get it on Kindle. Not me. As well. <laughs> but I will count them in my uh, like my library numbers. I'll count all my Kindle books. Oh yeah, of course. Yeah. Well, awesome. as much as I don't want to, because That's I really enjoyed this, it oh, is man. time to hop off the train. This was fascinating. And so thank you, Dr. McKnight, for sitting down with us again. We really enjoyed it. Uh, very informative. And we certainly encourage you to check out some of the links that will be in the show notes to some of these books that you just mentioned. You don't have to write it down while you're driving because you might have a wreck. And uh, this train wreck is enough. And uh, so thank you for listening in. Uh, visit us online at www.notanotherbaptistpodcast.com or on Facebook under Not Another Baptist Podcast or on Twitter at NAB underscore podcast because our name is too long to fit That's on right. Twitter. Send us out, KB. All right. Until next time, may your coffee be as black as night and as bold as the gospel you declare. Well done. Thanks. I'm man. so proud of you. Good job. Oh, there's a there's salute. salute. <laughs> Thank you, Tim. Have a good day. That was a two-finger salute. What was that? <laughs> I, we have no idea. It's just his thing it's for bad, some reason. He, he did it in front of 8,000 people <laughs> at the SBT 18. So have a wonderful day, everybody.